1: You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game.
0: This is the Power Producers Podcast. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power?
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Today, we have Mr. Jeremy Chen from Jeremy Chen Sales. On as our guest. This guy is helping companies just like yours improve their sales strategies and performance. We're going to get into that in just a minute. But before we do, Jeremy, why don't you give everybody your backstory, man? Where'd you come from?
2: (laughs) Uh, Thanks for having me, guys. Pleasure to be here. Uh, Currently in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. Born and raised um, and happy to be here. Um, In terms of my sales background, I started... Um, I had a little, before vaping was cool, I had a little um, route that sold vape pens and accessories to gas stations, and that's really where my career started, to be honest with you. That's Mm. a hustle, man. Yeah,
1: no kidding. For sure.
2: For sure. For sure. And now, if you look at that industry, it has blown up. I mean, people have made brands on it. You see it on Amazon, eBay, Uh, at least where I live. There's stores.
3: There's entire stores that are just like brick and mortar (laughs) dedicated to it.
2: Well, yeah, and, no, I have several friends
1: who just opened up stores. And those stores are hilarious
3: too. Have you ever, I mean, I don't I don't vape or whatever, but Dave, I don't know if you've walked into them before, but like when I was selling Quill, we used to walk into them and you just walk in, there's just like... A couple of hipsters sitting on a couch just blowing <laughs> fat clouds everywhere. Dude, I can tell you right now, I don't even need to
1: leave my living room to experience the vaping lifestyle because my favorite thing is the vape wars on YouTube. I will lose a day just watching these people do these insane tricks with these massive oh, okay. vape clouds that come out, like making circles and thro- shooting balls through them. and like, It's just... <laughs> it's fantastic it's great tv in my opinion Uh, that's (laughs) that's
2: That's pre-my time when we came out with it um it wasn't really well known and and then the government stepped in when the juices became available so after that it was a bunch of legislation that you had to jump through and i just didn't have the money to do that because i was a startup but uh it's crazy to see how it's grown
1: it's interesting to me that it's actually hung on because to me, anytime I see somebody vaping down here, I automatically assume it's weed at this point since weed's right. legal for medical purposes. It's like, I don't even know. I don't know what the benefit to people would be. I mean, I just feel like if you're going to vape, just go all in, man. Have a great afternoon with it, you know? <laughs> but it, it, I guess, you know, with the number of vape shops we have down here,
2: it's got to be a thing, man. Listen, and every every strip mall that we have currently has a vape store in it and it's it's crazy and it's not anything unique or different at this point it's just whoever you know and you probably have a friend that works there and they give you like a five percent discount and that's probably why you shop there um but it's just
3: it's crazy so talk about some of the um you know experiences you had doing that i mean that like we talked about that's a grind, on. man. I mean, you know, yeah, that's, that's like uh, yeah,
1: that's a route sales deal. I mean, you're you're were you call, were you cold calling gas stations to get your line in there, or were you just expanding existing relationships, or how, what did that look like?
2: Well, I started with the gas station that I used to get gas from, and I walked in and. I just pitched them straight up. I didn't know man, anything hey, about bro, sales. bro. I buy
3: gas here. You should buy some of my carts. Right? Yeah, that seriously, was...
2: do you even vape, bro? I mean,
3: <laughs> <laughs> That was how ignorant I really was uh. at
2: that time. I literally just walked in. His name was Scott. And I'll never forget it. And I walked in and I said, Scott, I'm selling these things and I want to put them in stores. Like, how do I do that? And he really see, just schooled me on it.
1: See, hmm. I would have gone in with shock and awe, man. I'd have been like, <laughs> what the crap are you doing man you got all these cigarettes that require people to light them on fire you have a gas station here for crying out loud this vape pen solves everybody's problems your gas station doesn't blow up your customers get their fix and if they're really good they can go on
3: youtube and be people can smoke while they're pumping gas well they do Uh, in west virginia
1: yeah they do in west virginia all the time in fact if you're not smoking you're not pumping gas Seriously? Oh God. <laughs> it's amazing what you see that see here man.
2: Hey man, listen, in the 80s they used to let you do that and then of course legislation stepped in and stopped that. But that was well, really a lot, my... Bin Laden. Hey, listen. <laughs> <laughs> and and that was my really first stop, right? Like it was just he was like, "Okay, well how how much do you sell them for?" I'm like, "Man, I don't I don't really know yet. These just came in a brown box from China and I'm just trying to sell them. <laughs> Wow. Okay. <laughs> and so, he really helped me put together my first little, like, counter display of what you need to have and we'll just get the, the cashier to, you know, try to upsell it with a car wash or whatever. So, that's how I really hmm. started going route to route, really.
3: Okay. So, how did that pitch develop? Because obviously, it had to. Not everybody was Scott and was going to help you out. So, like... Mm-hmm you know, as you started kind of getting... Obviously, it
1: had to turn into something or there wouldn't be Jeremy Chen sales, (laughs) right?
2: Right. (laughs) Well, so it's funny enough. um, Again, I, I have no sales training, no sales experience. This is really my first go at it. I went to a Husky down the street that was a competitor and I didn't know them. And I literally walked in and I'll never forget it. And I said, I have these new electronic cigarettes. That's how I was positioning them at the time. And I was telling them, I was like, your competition down the road is selling them and they're selling them with car washes like hotcakes. Meanwhile, I just set up the display like a week ago. Yep. And you should be selling these because there's margin in them. And that's what gas stations really look for, right? Yeah. Because people
1: don't realize, man, when the price of gas goes up, it's not even... A large it's, it's, it's portion not, of the like gas makeup still getting is
3: yeah, it's not like they're still getting it for, you know, 50 cents and and they're charging you 4 gallon, or $4 a gallon like Right, but I mean even works.
1: when you look at the price that's at the pump, a good percentage of that is is taxes that are done. It's not the raw cost of the fuel. So obviously the raw cost of the fuel fluctuates, but people see, "Oh, you're charging 4.50 a gallon for gas. The gas station ain't making that money." No. Nope. am saying. They're, they're making very minimal money on ga- on the gas itself. That's why standalone convenience stores still exist in, in parts of the country because they make way more margin over overcharging you for the mini can of
2: Pringles than they do selling mm. you a full tank of gas. Well, yeah. and it's crazy because Scott used to tell me that he made 0.1% on a liter.
1: Yeah, it doesn't wow. surprise me.
2: So there was no money to be had. So anytime there was a new product, like it used to be Apple charging cords and stuff like that, um, anytime there was a new product, Guilty. he'd bring it into the store.
1: Guilty is charged. I've got so You're many
2: gas chargers station chargers. Really? <laughs> yep.
3: That's only like yeah, a road my- trip thing for me, man. Like we would have to buy them if they busted on the road. But other than that. Or when my wife
1: removes it or one of my kids removed True. mine from that's the car. True, that's fair. But I I also, yeah. now, I, now I'm smart enough that I have a stash and a backup stash. So they got to go through three cords for me to have to stop at a gas station anymore. But those that, that stash <sighs> and the backup are both gas station chargers that I had to buy.
2: Well, and not only that, you got to remember like if you got dogs, cats, whatever, and they get at that cord, it's a wrap, right? And those cords are expensive. Like they're what, eighty, hundred mm. bucks from Apple? So
3: he was making a killing at that time. Well, what you brought up there when you went into the Husky down the street is something that I used to use um, every day in every business. I, so before um, before insurance, I was selling office supplies B2B. So mm-hmm. similar. I would walk into a business cold and you know try to sell them office supplies. And one of the things that I did is I would always reference somebody else that I had just sold to or that was a customer in the area, even if it wasn't somebody that I – personally sold to if i knew that they had an account or ordering stuff from you know from our company when i walked into that next business i was going to say hey i was just next door with with jeremy you know he he orders his paper from us whatever and it, it it establishes that immediate credibility and it makes them feel like they are missing out we call it jones effect like keeping up with the joneses um makes them feel like they're missing out on on something that uh you know that somebody else is doing and having success I think that's with.
1: a lost art in what we're doing right now man i mean that's something that i've always kind of done too you know yep. not necessarily with the guy next door or whatever but if if i go Same in industry. and i'm dealing with yeah big service contractor right. of, of course i'm gonna say well we represent you know this this and this mm-hmm. and you know my argument is always the reason they're able to hire and retain top talent is because we've reduced their total cost of risk to the point they can offer higher wages offer better benefits and offer better pricing to their clients as a result wouldn't you want to be yep. able to compete with them cuz currently you can't
3: absolutely yep. right? it depends so on what a your piece of that. it depends on what your product or service is but it can be used generally or specifically Dude, like you can use
1: it with your kids man caroline <laughs> ethan's out You'd be ethan's out amazed. in the front yard I mean, picking up stuff
3: right <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah exactly why aren't you i mean
1: i can't believe you're not out there doing that with a man i'm going to have to be take amazed price how much of this
3: stuff up. you do and on, on, you know in your daily life and don't even you know pick up on it or, or or realize it but i mean you're just using all these in, impulse factors that i learned in my you know first real not first real sales job but one of my first i guess
1: um Cut, i i Kyle Kyle jobs. sold cutco knives door to door for a while did, wow. did that sold wow How do you feel about that windows Jeremy? and doors I you know what it those are the hardest man windows com- and doors and like knives and Kirby Bro. vacuum cleaners and rainbow the kir- vacuum yeah the cleaners. Kirby's
3: were, the Kirby's were like the, those were a thing too when I was just starting out but I mean the windows and doors we would go this was so sketchy man we would roll up into these sketchy <laughs> neighborhoods and in in uh, like Seminole Heights and in Temple Terrace at like lucky you didn't get shot <laughs> se- no a hundred hundred percent seven thirty at night go knocking on somebody's door, you know, and I'd pitch them. I had this like script that I memorized. It was probably like, I don't know, the length of a legal pad.
2: Oh my! Basically,
3: I was just trying to set up a time for one of our guys to come out and give them an estimate on windows and doors. And it was like a fat commission. (laughs) I mean, like those jobs were like 30, 40 K. So we made all that we would make 10% of that or something. And, um, you know, so, so it was decent. Was Y but, green a uh, thing
1: back then? Was Y green a thing where they could roll it into their property taxes and not have to pay? It would just become I'm part of I'm not sure. Their, we never, I never got into that aspect payment. of
3: it. We never talked about it. Well, that's what payment, they do nothing. now, man. They run around because it because depending on where you're at, you know, in town. Dude, the company's still alive. They, I just saw a sign down the street at the end of my street that, that the company that I was doing that work for is doing a job there. Wow. Yeah. So
1: depending on where you live, they have the ability now to take like solar or windows and doors or AC, any of that stuff, and they can roll it into your property uh, taxes so that you're paying it through your mortgage. Now, the, the bad Makes part sense. is it amortizes out over 30 years. So <laughs> that 40,000 job Ooh, ends up being $80,000 80. if you don't pay it off early but that's how they're selling it to people who don't know the difference or, or don't understand how to go in and dig into the math. And, you know, I we have a guy that I tried to hire. Remember the guy that came to my house to sell me windows yeah, and doors yeah, that yeah, night? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interrupted my – this is how good this guy was, Jeremy. Number one, I consider myself to be a reasonably good producer. Uh-huh. Okay, I've been in the sales game for almost 30 years in one capacity or another. So I got a little game when I need to have it. I'm very critical of other salespeople, very critical. Like like anybody who, who, is, who feels they're good at something, like especially with salespeople, I appreciate and I want the best sales experience. I want somebody who's the master of their craft selling to me, right? And so this guy comes out and it, I, I talk to him and I'm like, I'm in the middle of my dinner. You have two minutes at the wow. most. Wow. And he, he comes out, and I don't even remember what he said to me, but guns blazing, he was absolutely, you could tell he had a script that he had worked down. He was mm-hmm. absolutely fantastic, but it was, we're looking for one house we can use as a showcase home in this neighborhood that we can provide with a deep discount on windows and doors. And blah. Wow. And, I'm like, uh, and he goes, we love yours because it's got, and I'm like, you said that to the guy next door and this guy, <laughs> oh, and, you know, for and sure. whatever else.
3: <laughs> but... um." It but was it's to work like with one person on the street yeah it's and, I, and I told him
1: I'm like so so like fif- 10 15 minutes later you know I, I let him go and we started mm-hmm. talking I'm like dude what are you doing man like you're actually a really you have, you have a good sales presentation you have skills why are you hawking windows and doors you can make so much more money with so much less effort doing other things let me talk to you about how you can make a quarter million dollars a year instead of a hundred thousand. Right. Mm-hmm. and so he actually went and had lunch with me and we talked and then one thing led to another i think that he was in some sort of a relationship situation that mm. went south and he ended up moving away but um i was ready to bring that dude on and i was i would have offered him a job on the spot because i knew that i could teach that guy my system and he would and it yeah. would work Period. Wow. Like some people, you just know that, right? You just and he fit the profile to ex-baseball player, was drafted to play. You know, anybody who's an ex athlete, you know, not that I'm discriminating against people who aren't, but people who play team sports, A, know how to operate in a team, which a lot of people don't. Yeah. B, they're they're mostly naturally competitive and have an mm-hmm. edge to them, which I want. And if I can right. and the other thing is If they were any good and you have to be good to get to that level they're disciplined they're Mm going to be practicing they're going to be working out they're going to be honing in their craft every single day and i mean i would say kyle and i fit that bill man both played competitive sports team sports both have an edge both very competitive both very habitual kyle's little habits are different than mine but i mean we have our set things that we do every single day and i mean i think if you gonna <laughs> you just do different stuff, man. You're you're way more anal than I am.
3: Way more. Way more. You yeah, you, so. you fly by the seat of your pants, and that drives me freaking crazy. Yeah. Well, wow. I just I my mean, wife I too, probably. <clears throat> What's that?
1: I said my wife too. I'm sure, but it's worked out pretty good for 48 years. So I'm not <laughs>
3: <now>. <laughs> That's right. Hey, I, I'm the same way, man. I mean, different different strokes, but we get it done.
2: I'm in yep. between the both of you. I fly by the seat of my pants, but I also need some structure to my day. So yeah. Awesome. Yeah,
1: I think I think I'm probably more along those lines. I mean, it's not mm-hmm. that I'm like a complete wildcat, man. I mean, no. I've got parameters that I operate in, but Jeremy, I'm one of these people that I see an opportunity, I seize it. Period. Good bad or otherwise, because you're never going to make money if you stop and take time to think through something and overanalyze it 3000 times.
2: That's true. And, you know
1: what, and I and I look at it this way. If an opportunity presents itself, I've got good enough instincts after being in the business world as long as I have that I have a pretty good idea that it's going to make money or how it can make money. So if it's an investment opportunity or something that I need to do to increase the value of the business here or the efficiency, I'm likely to pull the trigger really, really quick because I want to get in before anybody else is in so that I can be, you know, have a differentiator in the marketplace. But at the same time, I'll cut bait just as quick. If I if, if I make a bad decision, I'm not going to typically let that bad decision fester. Where I, where I let it fester is with team members I, I i've let team members go too long but as far as making decisions to improve a business or improve a process i am fly by the seat of my pants you could do a demo with me this morning and i'll have your product installed this afternoon if it makes sense it makes if sense. it makes sense yeah. i'm just not going to yeah. waste any time because right. to me i go back to the old chinese proverb man the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago the next best times today right
2: now yep. right
1: yep 100 so i'd rather just go ahead and get the ball moving
2: Absolutely. And and that's a challenge that a lot of people face in the field is we let opportunities go too long, they're not a fit for us for whatever reason. And you know what, you're miserable in that position. Go find something else, right? So
1: So you're doing the vape thing, man. What happened after that? Like Well, it started What brought that to an end? Did you sell it? Did you just say, you know what, I'm tired of dealing with the vape stuff, the gas station (laughs) life isn't for me anymore? I mean, the, I'm the, always interested by people who've done things that I haven't done before because I, I respect that, man. I really do. A lot of people might be like... Especially going, things that are a grind. These guy's going you know? gas station to gas yeah. station, hawking vape pens. What kind of lifestyle is that? Well, you know what? Don't knock it until you've tried it. I'm pretty sure my boy was making some coin. <laughs> yeah. Anytime you have to put some effort in, you know, you're know, you going to get rewarded for it. But I, I'm just interested in what that morphed into to get you to where you're at today with your, your sales uh, consulting. Program. Yeah,
2: man. Absolutely. Um so, there was a point in time where I started to notice more of these shops coming, and they had more capital than I did. They had more connections, you know, the story goes on. And I could see that I was getting squeezed out, and I would need more money to have better inventory and stuff like that, and better pricing, all this stuff. And so I went to. A new startup that had opened a location maybe 10 minutes from my house by drive. And I went to the owner and I said, Look, I'm getting out of the business. The margins just aren't there from when I started. This is about a year later. Um, just buy my inventory so I can move on. And he did on the spot. He said, Name your price and I'll, I'll buy any inventory that I can right now. So I gave him a contact list of who I was dealing with and my inventory and I walked away that day, had a check, dropped it in the bank and said, what am I going to do next? Right. And so, that's how that kind of came to an end. But funny enough, to your point earlier, um, flying by the seat of your pants, I get a call two days later, maybe, Mm -hmm. while I'm trying to figure out what my next move is going to be and it's from a friend of mine who... Um, has a connection to a restaurant equipment supplier, and he's asking if I want to go sell that because I've already proven I can just walk into accounts and try to, you know, get get them to do business with me, right? And the the story goes, I went for an interview, and the guy who owned the company didn't really see it. He could tell I was junior and was looking for a little bit more experience under the wings. And I followed up with him 51 times. He still tells that story to this day, 51 times. Is
3: that once a week or is that like 51 I don't times? Even know. In the <laughs> I don't even know. Like once a week I for just, a year or, or 51 times in the first week? I have no idea. I can't even
2: remember, yeah. but I hounded him. Like I knocked on his door, I called him, texted him, all of this stuff. And finally, he was like, this kid is so persistent. Like if he doesn't get the job, then he might just burn my. I'm business surprised down. he
3: didn't file like a restraining order.
2: <laughs> he should have, in <laughs> retrospect. Um, but that was my next gig was selling POS equipment to the restaurant industry, and that is okay. a grind as well. So
3: absolutely, yeah. So, yeah that, I mean, mean,
1: payroll, credit card processing—that yeah, all like, the merchant that all processing stuff—that all fits in the stuff. same bucket. That all fits in the, the same bucket. The to
3: office me. supply stuff that I did—it's. I mean, we would actually run. At, <laughs> I remember a couple times out in the field we like I would walk into a business and there was a merchant processing person in there pitching the business, like right at, right as I had walked in. And it was, I mean, it, uh, a couple of the times I've just like, like, okay, obviously I'm just gonna, I'm not going to sit here and wait my turn. I'm going to come back another time. But one of the times it was, it was a client of mine and I was like following up and it was just, it was interesting to watch the whole exchange, um, you know, happen, and, and and it was because the dude kind of smirked when I walked in. He's just like, man, I'm just getting absolutely slammed right now with you guys. but. So what? Um, I mean, so you're doing the PIS systems, and then I, I feel like, by the way, I feel like this is the the saga of Joe Dirt. Like, and I'm Dennis Miller, and we're just like, that's how that's how I feel like the flow of this is going right now. Um, but that's so, what you want to so, be
1: doing when Jesus comes.
3: Oh man. <laughs> One of my favorite movies, but um, don't lose me in the desert <laughs> yeah so 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 then um, With, you know what what was the next the step stick. after that like how did we get to the point where where you know you were doing the consulting? there's so many questions that I mean I can yeah. talk about this stuff for days, but um I want to figure out that part first
2: yeah, so I was working there for a bit um, the guy that owned the company had really done a great job at selling his stuff to basically every um, restaurants and corner store that you could imagine. And so, mm-hmm. for me to really have an opportunity to grow and make some real money, I had to go out, to, out of town. And I didn't have enough money to even buy a car that was worth taking on the highway without it falling <laughs> apart at that time. Mm-hmm. So, I quit. I left there. And then I ended up at a um, like a cell phone company selling cell phones. And, um, you know, like AT&T, Verizon, that kind of like not the mom and pop stuff. Mm -hmm. And the funniest thing was when when I got told about the opportunity, it was they were relaunching in my city. They were looking for salespeople and I should go apply. And the person who's telling me about the opportunity said, I just came back from a charity event with the boss that is in charge of this. Why don't you call him? What he didn't tell me was the guy's name was Darren Entwistle. And Darren Entwistle is the CEO of this $2 billion company. Hmm. All he said to me was, just go call him. I said, okay. So if you went to the TELUS website, you could find his office number and call him. Called up. And I didn't know I was doing this. Again, I'm not trained or anything at this point. I'm just calling as if I know the guy. Hi, can I talk to Darren? His secretary puts me right through to his cell phone. He is boarding the company jet. And he basically goes, hello, who is this and what do you want? And I'm like, hi, my name's Jeremy and uh, I am looking for a job and I live in this place that you probably never heard of. It's called Winnipeg. And he goes, I don't (laughs) handle this and I don't know why you got put through. I'll get somebody to call you and hangs up on me. And I was like, what do I do now? Right? 20 minutes later, I get a call from a lady who says... Are you Jeremy? Did you just call Darren Entwistle? And I'm like, who's asking? <laughs> Am I in trouble? She
1: goes, Yeah, who no, is no. this?
2: What do you want? And why did they put you through? Is
1: exactly what I would have <laughs> yeah, said to been him. Been Come on, Entwistle, right. We can both play this game. That would have been right? so
3: incredible. <laughs> so
2: I was like nervous. I'm shaking in my boots. And she goes, well, funny enough, we do have a position. I'll introduce you to the sales manager. She makes the introduction. I show up to the meeting. And without even seeing my resume or CV, she hires me on the spot. And that was the start of my telephony career. Did that for a year, um, excelled at it, got into President's Club and all this other stuff. Um, And then they decided that they were moving to Toronto. That's where they wanted to focus on. And I wasn't in the position to move to Toronto. I was like, what am I going to do now? And then I started a company called Answerphone that did virtual answering services for small medium businesses because i was already selling like office grade phone solutions to them um and one of my customers from Telus said to me if you can come up with an answering solution that you know can take messages when we're out in the field we'll buy it and that was my first customer at answer phone then i grew it to over a thousand customers sold the company um late last year and then started
3: my consulting there so, we go it. now so we're getting
1: we the money shot I was, I, was gonna, I was gonna say
3: man we're creeping up on on me yeah. and keating here in terms of, of uh, <laughs> yeah sales yeah uh, so that's yeah, how that I, happened there,
1: there are very few jobs kyle hasn't had actually um, I'm probably not quite as bad. I've done a lot of stuff, but most of it I wasn't smart enough to get paid for. So, there you go.
3: Same, same. <laughs> a for lot me. of wild,
1: yeah, a lot of wildlife experience and things that I've done in places that I've been, but it wasn't necessarily a profitable endeavor for me. In fact, quite the opposite. So, so how are you helping other people, man? I mean, it's obvious at this point. You grew. I mean, any business. I don't care what you're selling, what you're building. If you can have a thousand clients in your book of business, you're going to make Strong. good money. That's, that's a solid deal. So how did you get there? Like, did you come up with a
2: system? Do you have a process? I mean... Yeah, so my whole thing is um, after I left the POS company... I, I really, love it, but just stop for a second. I love
1: it when people say "pos company" because it's like they're a, talking what a so ridiculous, horribly. Ab- what a ridiculous
3: abbreviation! Like they yeah, couldn't a, come up with anything every better. Every time they
1: say it, I laugh a little bit. Like I'm in eighth grade. Yeah, I left that pos company. Like you have to have the right inflection in your voice to pull it off,
3: man. Uh, and listen,
2: and they used to grill us about it every single time and. To your point, I still laugh about it, but uh, I left that company and um, I decided I didn't want to do in-person visits anymore. I wanted to do all my selling over the phone. So that's why the cell phone Mm. company was such a good fit for me because I can get the deals done and then I'm on to the next one, right? You have a good phone voice, man. You do have a good... I appreciate
1: that. I think you have a good phone voice and I don't don't think you sound very threatening to somebody. You sound very mild-mannered. I can see you getting through. A lot easier than me like come on in whistle what's the deal you know i yeah. mean I'm, I'm not gonna <laughs> right. i'm not gonna be nice to him i'm gonna i'm gonna call in and, and close end whistle while before he ever gets through the threshold of that airplane door but well, i mean I, I also lose a lot of deals because of that too right because yeah. i'm that high strung but but to your point man i mean just listening to you talk and the cadence in which you speak i can see why you would be successful getting through to people on the phone because that's important
2: well, I appreciate that, and, and people ask me what my secret is, and it's just, I pretend like I know you, whether it's Dave or Kyle, right? Hey, guys. Easiest. N- Easiest nice thing to, to do. S- see see you, you know, like we're sitting down for some wings and beer, right? Like it's that straightforward. <laughs> but to answer your question about process, what I really developed at the phone system company was this. I want to be able to call somebody who I don't know. Give them a pitch that is so enticing that they just have to go, you know what, I already have whatever he's buying, but it's just so intriguing. Stop me in my tracks. Let me listen to this and decide if I'm going to buy it. So, it's not a one call close, but it's enough to get me in the door to book a second appointment. And it can be on Team Zoom, Google Meets, like whatever, right? So long Mm -hmm. as I don't have to drive to the physical location. That was my whole process, right? And I would touch somebody seven times over the phone before... I would say this isn't a good contact and I'm moving on. And I really built it from there. Refined all my scripting and everything. Mm -hmm. To this day, I will call somebody on the phone and say, look, Kyle, this is a sales call and I'm calling to solicit you something. You can hang up or give me 30 seconds. And people, 80% of the time, will give me the 30 seconds to explain Mm -hmm why i'm calling and that's what i heard a guy
1: i heard a guy last week um ryan stillwell is a friend of mine and he's in our mastermind group and we were going back and forth about um he's he's working on calling to set appointments and stuff and so he'll send me call recordings to listen to what he's saying to business owners to get them on the phone and it, it blew me away number one he was pretty good about getting through um Like getting to the right person? Like getting to the person, getting past the gatekeeper, just Mm -hmm. by asking and saying, hey. Tap the battle, man. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to, look, Ryan, you're probably listening to this. I'm not going to say that Ryan was overly slick about how he did it. He was basically just very matter of fact. Like, here's what I'm calling for. Can I talk to this person? And then when he got to the right person, what he said was, would you hate me if I told you I was calling to talk to you about your insurance? (laughs) Like, that was his icebreaker. And, like, everybody just sort of chuckled. They're like, yeah, exactly. no, man, I get so many calls at this point. I'm immune to it or whatever else. But that person could have gone a completely different direction if he didn't have a way. That caught them off guard, right? Because yep. I don't think people, real- I don't think people under- are expecting for you to be honest about what you're calling about. Like, everybody tries to dance around it. So for you to say, hey, no. look, I'm calling to solicit you for something. You can either let me have 30 seconds or not. You just set the ground rules, right?
3: Yep. I, th- I, I think the same if you're way. up I think front that, with people, it's. it's... I
1: th- yeah, I think that's why when we do our appointment setting script things on the phone, you know, when we just say, hey, look, we know your workers' comp renewal is coming up on such and such date. You know, we'd like to be considered this year. We're going to have somebody available next Tuesday or Wednesday. Which one's better? You know, they already know. We're not going to take no for an answer, mm-hmm, you know, yeah. but we also want them to understand exactly why we're calling. And, you know, we'll most of the time say, hey, look, I know you weren't expecting my call. So we're, we're going to be real brief. Here's why I'm calling. We know your worker comp renewal is coming up. But we actually get appointments that way. We, I think you get way more appointments that way than you do just trying
2: to be slick. Well, listen, and to your point, somebody once told me sales and appointment setting is a game of hot potato. And the more you talk, the longer your hands are going to burn. So I don't care what you say. Just make mm-hmm. it so clear to the point that you can toss that potato back in their lap. And that's, that's how a, I that's came up That's a good
1: analogy. I've never heard yeah. it before, but it's just like Whoa. what Chris Beal said. So we had a, we had a guy, Chris Beal, from Connect and Sell, who is... A, I know him, yeah. You know Chris? Yeah. Yeah, seven seconds is what Chris said when he was on. You know, yeah. you got seven seconds to get get through to somebody, and if you don't,
3: well, and out. it's so much harder to do that on the phone versus in person. I mean, in person, they're not going to, most of the time at least, not just going to walk away from you like they can hang up on the phone. And it's much easier to icebreak in person. I think, um, you know, I think you've got to be and to the point like we were just talking about on the phone and, and be upfront and honest with people. And if you can say something, um, you know, to make them smile through the phone or, or laugh a little bit, then that's, then that's huge too. But definitely more difficult, in my opinion, on the phone than in person.
2: Oh yeah. And you you know what? It's funny because now I'm so used to being on the phone that when I show up in person I'm like, uh how do I do this again? Like it's <laughs> just a different language for me, right? So it,
1: it would be awesome if you had your cell phone and you just took it out and pretended like you were talking on your phone, <laughs> even though you were talking to the person in front of you just so you were comfortable doing it. Uh,
2: but the thing was like the consulting really took off in COVID because we couldn't get yeah, in front yeah, of anybody, right. right? And so everybody's like well, how do we use this phone thing? And uh, like, what do we do? And you know what I mean? So it was a complete mindset and it really, you know, haphazardly or whatever, um, helped us grow. So
3: what, um, what do you see as the biggest mistake from producers or salespeople when they, you know, reach out to you for, for help? Like what are they doing or not doing that, that is, is hindering them? To be honest with you, most time it's their mindset.
2: I agree 100%. Most time they they're coming from a place of like, man, I've been beaten up on the road. I haven't made a sale in a month. I'm tired of eating sardines. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're just in such a rut that you know they can't see the grass is greener, right? And if you just move a little bit differently, it can be so much better, right? And so I tell people all the time: Listen, if you had twenty million dollars, would you really care if this guy told you no? Probably not, Mm. right? And they they can't visualize that when you're hungry. So, yeah, no, I mean I
1: tell them all the time: Look, this guy, this guy, or this lady is already not your client, and you're worried about upsetting them. I mean, your only chance of getting them to give you an opportunity is to ask for the opportunity. Pick up the phone and fricking call them. You know, go in and cold call them. Walk in the lobby like you own the business, and you know. And have a conversation. You have to get that through your head, because if you if you don't physically psych yourself up, like if you don't take the time to get yourself prepared for that, I think (laughs) truthfully, I think that's a big deal that a lot of people don't don't do is they don't mentally prepare themselves yes for the process
3: just listening to thunderstruck sitting there and the, yeah in i the mean I do. this I, listen
1: i yeah i do the same thing every time if i'm like if i'm in my office and i know i've got a new business appointment that i have to go to which obviously the way i'm dressed today i don't <laughs> but you know if if i know that i have that every single time i'm gonna go to youtube and pull up that vignette from glengarry glenn ross and watch alec baldwin just just destroy everybody coffee in for the rosers yeah leads are weak you're weak you're you know but, <laughs> but i mean that that's the whole thing man i i like to that that gets me in the mindset and then i'll go out and i'll get in my truck or my it used to be my car but my truck now and i'll crank up metallica and i'll listen to enter sandman i'll listen to thunderstruck and i'm ready to freaking kill somebody mm. i'm ready to club a baby seal by the time i get to the <laughs> you know by the time i get to the meeting i'm like i'm that amped up and ready to go but I didn't used to do that. I didn't used to do things to prepare myself. And as I thought about it, you know, when I played baseball, yeah. there was warm a warm-up up routine. Yeah. There was a stretching routine. Mm-hmm. Your sales game is no different than, than being in athletics. It really isn't. And what you do... To, to get yourself prepared and warmed up there's a long-term play right you have to have product knowledge you have to do the research on the prospect to understand all of that is done in preparation and that's that's you preparing your skill set but you also have to prepare your mind to go in there and that's going to be different things to different people whatever it is figure it out right like i i always so, go back too to like when the back in the you know 90s when Kyle was just a, a baby and Michael <laughs> Jordan was still playing for the Bulls right and like everybody knew that dun, 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 dun. Well, every time when that song came on people knew, oh crap here comes Jordan and Pippin yep. with a side of Horace Grant you know you i mean go. but Tony you Kukoc. you knew what that yeah you knew what that meant right you knew that that like these guys are getting amped up they're getting ready and the people were getting amped up to watch them it was a psychological experience associated Mm -hmm. to that song for everybody involved and to this day if you play that song and somebody (laughs) grew up at that time frame we're gonna know exactly what it was you get chills and yeah you do because you're you're gonna watch you know you're gonna watch somebody perform at their peak And I think that the same thing holds true. If you're a salesperson and you don't have a process for prepping yourself before you go in, you're selling yourself short. If you're not hitting your numbers of getting appointments booked, if your cold calls suck when you go in, it's probably not because of how you're acting when you go in there. It's and it may be, but it's more about how you didn't prepare yourself to be ready to go in there mentally.
3: Yeah, we all have the skill set.
1: The skill set never leaves.
3: Yeah, and that's that's, and that's that's just it. I think it's the mindset, and um, you know, people have the fear of, of being rejected. My um, dogs are about to go crazy. They have the fear about being rejected, but, um, you know, another parallel with the sports is, like, I, I didn't ever go into any game, like, worried that we were going to lose or anything like that. Like, right. I went in, you know, making sure that I was prepared and ready to go and had a good week of practice. And and then once you're out on the on the floor or the field or whatever it is, you're in there and you're good and it, and it should be the same, you know, with sales. And I think you kind of need to be able to get in that mindset. So I totally agree with what you said, Jeremy. It's, it's the biggest mistake that I would see from um, producers on my team was just not believing in themselves that they were going to go in and close the deal. Well, imagine if you
1: were a UFC fighter and you're standing across the octagon from whoever you're fighting and you're thinking to yourself, it's, got, it's, it's gonna be a rough one. Probably ass. gonna lose. Yeah, probably yeah. gonna lose this one. Not even sure why I'm here right now. I mean, it's ludicrous to even think of something like that. But well, if you're a true. salesperson and you're preparing to, and you're getting ready to walk into a meeting and you've done nothing to prepare for it and you've not gotten your self psyched up mentally, it's every bit as ludicrous as a mixed martial artist standing across from another person in the octagon saying. Ugh. It's gonna be a It'll little be a rough. tough one. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> little ring rust. Start stretching like thirty seconds before they tell you to get it on. You know, I
2: mean, uh,
1: it, it sounds crazy, but that's how people operate, and then they want to complain about their
2: results. Well, it's true, and and a lot of people. When I ask them, they come to me and they say, you know, how do you cold call? Well, how did you learn to walk? You started crawling, right? Yep. Um, I learned by just doing it. Nothing I. Uh, came yep. up
3: with came from some textbook right yeah and a lot there's of people there's no magic are just, pill it's just all doing yeah
2: listen and if i could come up with a magic pill i think all three of us would be very 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 rich right now
1: yeah but, i mean i'd start selling it at gas stations
2: listen <laughs> and and i probably have some of those same contacts so it'd probably a, yeah. be a great Let's starting do it, man. point <laughs> it would be even
1: better if we could turn it into vape cartridges yeah, listen, and, just, and there's people just smoke, right. just take smoke a the sales skill. Take a, yeah, take a hit before you're ready to go in. <laughs> but, I mean, no, I, I agree with you, man. I, I think there's things you can do to sharpen your skill set. You can listen to podcasts. You can read books. You can find out. I, I share everything you know, about what works, and Kyle does too, about the things that work for us. And some people use that. Some people don't use it. You know, Don't necessarily try and copy everybody because – what works for me may not work for you. No, you got to grab you know, different but things. Grab different things and then make them your own and figure out what your own style is going to be. Mm-hmm. But the only way to do it is to do it, man. Like, how do you learn to dive off a diving board? Well, let's see. You probably have to start by jumping off a diving board. You know, you can't. You can't, I don't, I, I can see some like advanced dive training center with like a cable rig, like in Mission <laughs> impossible where you're diving and it's catching you right before you hit the ground. No, you go and mm-hmm. jump off the side of the pool. Mm-hmm. Your parents catch you. Then you learn to swim back. Then they catch you off the low dive. Then you l- get comfortable doing that. And then you go to the high dive. I mean, you progress through things just like you do in your, in your sales career. And I think that's it, man. You just have to do it. And again, that's, that's mental.
2: That's exactly it. And a lot of people out there are afraid to fail. And I'm like, what, what do you really have to lose when you fail? Nothing. You come nothing. away with a new experience, right? Yeah, exactly. And so, so many people will sit there and, you know, they'll tell me like, I made eight calls today. And I'm like, great. What did you learn? Well, nothing. I w- went straight to voicemail. It's like, well, I guess you got to pick up the phone and get back to work then, don't you? Right? So, right. Uh, that, that would be my message to people is like, listen, don't don't be afraid to fail, right? Like just, just do it. Jump off the diving board, go out and meet some new people. You'll never know what will happen. So
3: I think that's fair. I, I hate when people ask me this question cause I can never think of it on the spot and I've just got such a deep memory bank of situations, but do you have like a favorite sales story or, um, you know, deal that that you got done or something like that? You've got a bunch of sales experience both in person and over the phone. So, Gotta be um, something in
2: there. That is a tough question for me to answer. No. One of them comes to mind. It was an HVAC company when I was at the cell phone store. And um it would have been or sorry, it was my biggest deal at the time um, of being there. And the guy said to me, I love everything in this proposal. I only have one problem. And I said, That's fine. What's your problem? And he goes, I don't buy anything from people that I haven't seen in person, right? So, in other words, hmm. he wanted, to, wanted me to come down there and meet him. And I said, that's fine, I have a rule too. And he goes, what's your rule? And I said, I don't come back twice. And so, he went silent for what seemed like 10 minutes on the phone and he says, okay, send me the contract, I'll sign it and, and send it back to you. And he did while I was still on the phone with him. Nice. And... I, I love that story simply because a lot of people would have taken it as, oh, no, now I got to break my process, go see him, which, you know, I would have happily have done. But because I was in the moment, I was fired up. I wanted to win the deal. The deal was mine. There's no reason. You accidentally
1: d- did what you were supposed to, right? You accidentally mm-hmm. stuck to your process.
2: Stuck to my process, planted my feet. I did not wimp and I got the deal, right? And to this day, I still remember – and it's funny enough because he could walk past me in the street. and I wouldn't know it was him. I've never met him to this day. But he still – if I call him on the phone, he'll know exactly who I am. So um, that would hmm. be I think that's a good point favorite.
1: though, man. I think that there's a lot of people – I mean, look, we fight this in our industry every single day because I can tell people until I'm blue in the face when you go and talk to a new prospect – Talk about everything but the insurance. The insurance is the last piece of it. I mean, they already assume you know what you're doing there. Talk about your value adds. Talk about what you can do on a safety training and a risk management side and all of this other stuff. And, you know, if they stick to that, even through the, with the point where it's uncomfortable, because there's always part of the issue, too, is and, and you bring this up it's our job to educate our clients and prospects. We have to educate them. That's how you step, I mean, that's how I sell is I educate them about the benefits of doing business right. with us specifically. And I can tie that back to financial modeling and everything else that I need to. But too many times we're salespeople and we're not educators. I was watching, um, you don't know this Jeremy, but I have a little little bit of a, a reality show that I put out for on YouTube for insurance producers that are working to get access to my ecosystem online oh wow! and they, they compete for it. And it's a, it's a sizable prize. It's worth about 25 grand. And so I, I give one a winner. And so we put it out every week. And I was, as I was watching the episode that we dropped this week, I watched one of the coaching calls. And one of the things that we focus on is total cost of risk. Okay. We look at all of the things that go into a company's risk management function, not just what they're paying in insurance premiums, because there's a lot of other stuff that goes in there. And so it's all, that's always a much bigger number, but if you can control everything outside of the insurance premiums and you can make the risk profile of the account healthier then the insurance premiums automatically drop because it's a much better risk for an underwriter to take. And I watched one of the contestants make the talking with the coach saying, well, how many people even know what, what total cost of risk is? And she's like, cause I'm thinking if they don't even know what it is, they don't care. And I'm thinking, you completely missed the boat. Completely. Right. You completely missed the boat because you missed your opportunity to educate all of those people on what it is and explain to them the difference and explain to them how what people have done to purchase insurance for their business in the past is bad compared to what you can do if you follow this it's process because in,
3: in my head, when you're telling that story, I go, exactly. And you're like, you know, you totally missed the boat. But I, 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 was, <laughs> I was expecting the story to go, you know, she started explaining total cost of risk. And then I was actually waiting for that part too. No, no
1: completely yeah. gave up. And it's like, yeah, eh, well, I don't know that. And I'm like, whoa, hold on a second. Like, you've completely missed every podcast we've ever put out the book that I wrote, the blogs that I write, everything else. Like, this is right. This is textbook 101, how we sell. And the reason we talk about total cost of risk is because we know people don't know what it is, is middle market business owners. I'm not going to go into. Wedge. Yeah, a national restaurant chain and talk to them about total cost of risk. They've got a staff of risk managers and safety engineers in the field and everything else. They know exactly what it is, but middle market companies don't. Mm. And that's why we use it is because we can educate them. And as long as we do a good job of educating and they understand what we're teaching and we develop enough trust for them to take the next step with us, we're going to win almost every single time because our approach is so different than what our peers are. And mm-hmm. I tell people when we're, when I'm training other salespeople, you just have to have trust, right? I've got all the credentials that say, I know what I'm doing on paper. I also have the bank account that says, I know what I'm doing, right? Right. So- When I tell you how I did it in the tools that I'm using, when you tell me you don't think it works, you have no (laughs) validity in your argument with me because everything points to the fact that I do, including the fact that I go in and I still continue to win at the same rate today. And I'm not saying Mm -hmm. that to be arrogant, but my goodness, you know, when you come to somebody and ask them for what works for them or ask them for their help and you say, yeah, I don't know that that's going to work or I think that's wrong, why did you even bother to ask, you know,
2: don't (laughs) – don't waste my time or yours. Well, mm-hmm. and that's, it comes back to our conversation about mindset, right? You're you're asking the questions from a position of, um, I just want to be uh, told that I was right the entire time as opposed to actually I'm doing something wrong and I think I can do better by learning from this guy. And totally. it's so crazy how many
3: people have that mindset and don't know it. Well, it's like, I mean, I was, my, my wife and my sister-in-law, like, my sister-in-law reach out and ask my wife for advice on something and then immediately do the complete opposite. And it's like, why, why did you even call me? And it's exactly what you just said. They wanted to hear what was in their head already and they were going to do whatever they were going to do already, but they wanted somebody to validate it and, and, and that's it. I I do want to go back to one of the things you said that um, from your story that was important um, that I think we just kind of glossed over, but it was something that I talked about with the people on my team every day and that was when you said you know you were like I have a rule too you know I don't come back twice and then you were completely silent for you said what felt like 10 minutes on the phone. Yeah it's the most awkward thing in the world but that was something that we used to always harp on was that you gotta drop the clothes and then you gotta be quiet because you're done talking at that point you'll talk yourself out of the sale. If you would have kept talking, if you would have said, you know, I don't come back twice and then you, you know, would have kept rambling on about something else, you wouldn't have got that deal done. I guarantee that. Um, and no, I
2: think that… 100,000%. 100,000%. Yep. Mm-hmm. And you know what? To this day, I don't know how I did it because I was sitting there biting my tongue saying mm-hmm. to myself, oh, I want to say something and my instincts just told me, just write mm-hmm. this one out and we'll get it and I got it, right? And you know, hot potato. That's what I'll say.
3: So I, so, um, my wife was actually, we met at, at this job that I'm referring to. And this has been, I mean, this has been 10 years ago almost. And, uh, she, she was one of the producers on my team. And I remember we were in this particular business and this, this came up like she dropped the clothes before, like that day we, we were talking about, all right, you cannot talk after you drop the clothes. And, I swear it was it was like an actual two minutes where we were just sitting there at the desk after the clothes had been dropped and just I was just like looking at the dude and then I would like, I pulled out my phone, kind of looked at my phone, did not say shit. And it was so insanely awkward. But then after those few minutes passed, he, he goes, okay, so do I just pay with credit card or... The guy was sitting there processing and thinking and and, and figuring out what the next steps were. And, and if you interrupt that thought process, you've talked yourself out of the sale.
2: Well, and you know what? That was one of the hardest, when I was transitioning to only sell over the phone, you can't see somebody, right? Yeah. So early on it was like, man, did this phone disconnect? Is this guy right. still here? hello? But <laughs> you, you, then you realize like, hey, some people just need the time to think through whatever your argument is, mm-hmm. right and that is like um you know whatever if you want to call it a secret sauce or the magic ingredient or whatever. A lot of people miss it because it's so subtle, but it's like a lost art. It really is just to sit there and say nothing
3: yep we've talked about a bunch man what have we what have we missed so far
2: you know what um people are coming out of covid now um it's a new landscape for i'm sure the uh, the sales uh industry as a whole but insurance when you look at it not a lot of people are coming back to the office a lot of commercial buildings where i live at least are for sale and so um you know i would say to people if you are struggling to transition which a lot of people are you know this hybrid workforce i think You know, trying something new that you've never tried before in terms of selling, a new sales tactic, always jump on a podcast like this one, right? Learn as much as you can. This is the perfect time to to be doing it when the marketplace is changing.
1: How do you feel about cold calling, man? Is it dead?
2: Never. Never, 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 never. I mean, we're,
1: we're of the mindset cold calling is where it's at, right? Whether it be over the phone or in person, as opposed to, you know, trying to... Look, I'm I'm a big fan of digital inbound traffic, but I also understand you can't control who responds to that. <laughs> you know, I feel like there's not any better way for you to get in front of your targeted type of business as a prospect than focused, you know, telemarketing and in-person marketing drops. Period. That's how I feel.
2: Well, and the other thing I tell people all the time too is if I was going broke, I certainly wouldn't depend on digital marketing to bring me my next meal. Right I would go out and find it, and I would call until somebody said, "Hey, I want to see you. This is interesting." right? Um, I don't think that cold calling is dead when COVID was going on at its height, and all of these offices were shutting down, I was still making my 20 phone calls first thing in the morning simply because I know that there's less noise that I have to compete with right now. And to my advantage, like you know, we closed a lot of business during COVID when a lot of people were just sitting around trying to figure out what to do. So is it dead? Not by a long shot. No, totally I don't think agree. so either.
1: You know, look, in, well, I work
3: referrals.
1: Well, great. How did you get the referral relationship? You had to cold call somebody for that. Like it was, yeah. you, you didn't know them. Referrals you, it, are
3: great, but the only thing that you're going to have absolute control over is, is cold calling and going out and hunting that business down yourself. I mean, like, That will never change. I mean, I don't, you you would have thought that it would have changed with the pandemic where everybody was working from home and, you know, No, I think they're more
1: open to it now. I think people want you to come see them.
3: I I think that initially though, people, you know, may have had that mindset where like, okay, this is going to kill X, Y, and Z. And it hasn't, man. Cold calling is the cockroach of sales.
2: You know, and and it's funny because every new, I don't know if you guys see this in your industry, but at least in mine, every quarter, it seems like somebody's coming out with a software that the tagline is to eliminate cold calling. And I've yet to see it done. This is not a McDonald's kiosk. You can't just walk up to the thing and punch in your order. You know what software we have?
1: We have, we have software to enhance cold calling. That's what we have
2: to make our cold
1: calling easier and a better experience. That's why we use HubSpot in the agency. We can control our telemarketing from it. We can control our marketing drops and set automations around that based on, you know, when somebody goes and visits a prospect. I mean, it's, it's a no brainer, but you know, it's funny. People are so worried about replacing it. I'd rather just make it more effective and enhance the pro the process, by by making those same level of investments. So listen, man, you're working with middle-sized companies to help their sales force. We haven't talked about that at all. And before we run out of time, mm-hmm. I do want you to talk a little bit about what you're doing in your company and how people can find you and learn more about that. Because that's ultimately why you want to come on the podcast and be a guest is to have everybody hear what you're doing. So this is your shot, man. Sameless plug. Let's make it happen
2: yeah appreciate it so what we're doing right now is we're working with sales teams in insurance tech transportation marketing just to name a few telephony of course is my background as you guys know um general pain points that we're seeing is not enough top of the funnel work not enough prospecting deals are getting stuck and not closing not crossing that finish line or simply the behaviors that are attached to the mindset that you need to have as a successful salesperson. So we go in, we develop programs that these people can follow. The same process that I followed when I started out my career and did really well over the phone is now what we're giving to um, our customers, and they're really doing well. Um, Catch me at jeremychensales.com. Send me an email at at jeremychensales.com or find me on LinkedIn, Jeremy Chen. Uh, The name doesn't fit the description, but I trust you know, it's me. (laughs) So yeah, that's what we're doing. Cool deal. Well, listen,
1: I really appreciate, uh, you taking Mm -hmm. some time to come on, man. This has just been a really cool low key chat about all things sales and cold calling for the last almost hour, man. And it felt like it was like 10 minutes. So definitely would love to have you come back sometime and give us an update on what's going on, but people reach out to him, Jeremy Chen com. I mean, if you don't like the brash, you know, loud, aggressive (laughs) salespeople like Alec Baldwin and Glen Gary, Glen Ross, and you'd like the more softer spoken, even keel, person to come in and reassure you that mentally you are ready to do this because you have the skill set then you need to you need to reach out to jeremy man i like this guy i feel like he could be a good influence on a lot of agencies and a lot of organizations out there so really, really appreciate having you on man
2: really appreciate the time and uh thanks for the plug i really appreciate that it means
1: a lot absolutely absolutely everybody else we'll catch you next time see ya see you